Hello, you wonderful people. If you haven't already, make sure you sign up to our Patreon account. The link will be in the description of this podcast, but you can also go to patreon.com forward slash Pod. For as little as four euros a month, you can help us out and become part of our little community. You'll get early access to all of the pods and you'll also get a monthly newsletter from myself and Jim. So basically two monthly newsletters where we'll talk about stuff that's going on in our own personal lives and what we've been thinking about slash inspired about. We also are asking you guys to get involved with the podcast so you can send in questions for our upcoming guests or you can suggest to us people or topics you would like us to interview and explore further. Um, We love you. We hope that you love us and hopefully just by giving us as little as four euros a month, that's basically, it's not even a pint in London that you can help us become an even better podcast. Thank you all. Hi guys and welcome back to the Earthy Lights podcast. Today we have a really um, special guest and a conversation I greatly enjoyed. Our guest today is Dr. Piero Briganti, a trilingual therapist and a trained EMDR therapist. Life led Dr. Piero to face different adversities, but also develop an interest in the influence of events on the mind and personality. She chose to graduate in clinical psychology and became a psychotherapist because she wanted to teach people how to stop suffering and learn to overcome difficult moments. Thanks to EMDR, Dr. Piera has managed to overcome past experiences and realized that it could really help a lot of people to overcome their traumas quickly and deeply. I've actually, since this conversation, got in touch with Dr. Piera and will be starting um, therapy sessions with her myself. So I really recommend this um, this podcast or anyone who's thinking about starting therapy or hasn't found the right type of therapy yet i think this might be the one for you i hope you enjoy it guys thanks welcome back friends piera briganti welcome to the podcast thanks for making time for us how are you keeping how are you doing today i'm good thanks glad to be here with you guys great how's the weather over there it's really hot (laughs) It's pretty hot, but it's summertime, so it has to. Too hot? No, no, no. Not too hot. It's manageable. I'm glad to hear. I know Seb complains about the weather very often in the summertime. So I know you guys are going through a similar experience. (laughs) Um, I just wanted to start by asking you um, a bit about yourself. Yeah, so the listeners can learn. what what where where did you grow up and how did you start getting interested in the area of of therapy and EMDR? Okay, well I'm 41. I'm Italian. I live in Italy now, but I have lived uh, four years in Spain in one of the Canary Islands, and that's actually where my story with EMDR begins, because a colleague of mine and uh, you know a friend. Uh, we, we had a bit of a fallout now, but uh, it was a friend before. She contacted me about getting our degrees, our Italian degrees validated to practice there. And she was doing EMDR. She was an EMDR therapist. I was not at the time. So I got interested because she she was talking about this therapy, this approach so enthusiastically. So I was curious. 
And uh, that's where I got the idea, you know, to get trained. I got trained. And, you know, you know, when someone picks up an instrument, plays a few notes and, you know, that's it, you're hooked. That was happened to me with EMDR. And what was your what was your first experience with EMDR? Oh, when you get trained in this approach, you are encouraged to start using it right away with your former patients, with the patients you are already seeing as a therapist. Maybe not the com- the most complex ones. An easy case, quote. There's not such such thing as an easy case, but you know there are simple cases, and you test right away what you learn in training. So you ask yourself, wow, is this really possible? Is this really happening? And it is, it happens, really. <laughs> and Pieter, what for people who aren't aware of what EMDR means, um, before we get started on the conversation, can you just explain what that therapy is, what it stands for? Um, yeah. Okay. Yes. Well, EMDR is an acronym. It stands for eye movement, desensitization, and reprocessing. And it is a therapy approach, an evidence-based one. So it's pretty well researched. It actually actually was born in research. There's a nice anecdote about how EMDR was discovered by an American psychologist who sadly passed away in 2019, Francine Shapiro. She was the, the mind, you know, behind EMDR, and it's basically um, a, a therapy approach which uses neurobiology, the neurobiology of the human brain to resolve every kind of issues, in particular, you know, traumatic experiences, traumatic issues. Do you want to know more? I bet you do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we do. Yeah. How does, how, so for someone who's listening to this, right? Because I, I, I came across it because a family member had a traumatic experience like you're, like you're saying, and we were looking for therapies and we came across EMDR. So when we, you know, find out what the acronym is, like, well, how the hell does eye movement have anything to do with therapy and anything to do with healing trauma and all that type of stuff? So could you just kind of like delve into that? Like, how does that, how are those two things connected? Uh, well, it's all, uh, it's nothing new. Um, it's, it, it was already there, but people didn't know, you know. Um, eye movement stimulates a process, an innate process of the human brain, which is called memory reconsolidation. It is what happens when we sleep at night, you know. We um, take the, the experiences that we have just lived or the past one and we clean those experiences about the irrelevant information and we just take the good to say uh, to make it simple you know and that happens even with adversities when with traumatic experiences so not every trauma get a person traumatized we are able to spontaneously process a trauma sometimes we are not we are not in the condition or the trauma is too much uh, too intense uh, too prolonged, or we are too little when it happens. So the brain um, struggles with, you know, uh, carry on this innate spontaneous process. And those memories, those experiences get stuck in the brain in a particular uh, set of areas of the brain where, you know, all the emotional processing happens, which is 
not to bore your listeners, but you know, just um, to understand the limbic system. And so, Pierre, I love examples. So, for instance, like in my head, I'm just thinking hypothetically, someone had a, quite a traumatic childhood, and uh, but they're an adult now and they live and function in society um, kind of as expected. They have a job, maybe they have a boyfriend, girlfriend, but still um, this trauma kind of resurfaces um, in their life, in their personal life. Um, is it, for instance, do you sit down with them and then um, talk to them about the particular trauma as they move their eyes? No. Uh, it's not just it's not that it's not that simple uh, you first help the person to understand the connection between present and past you know what triggers their traumatic experiences in daily life you know it can be you know if you talk about some something someone that has had a difficult or traumatic childhood it's probably relationships that trigger the trauma, okay? So what happens is usually someone who struggles with jealousy, with abandonment, with confidence, with trust, for example, for instance. So you help them connect, you know, you're feeling this, you're experiencing this, you have this symptoms because you lived those experiences maybe decades ago, okay? that's. Mm, pretty easy to connect and they're already helped by this you know because they make sense of their experiences they're not just people um, attacked by their own symptoms they have a meaning for them and then you guide them through EMDR processing actually which you know in average session uh, looks quite different than a talk therapy session it is something that they have never done even though they have experienced other treatments, other kinds of therapy before. And you mentioned it looks quite different. So is it is it still uh, I sit in a chair and you sit in a chair and you're kind of, are you guiding me through the eye movement? Or how is it specifically different? Specifically different is, you know, you don't just talk about the trauma. You, you ask specific questions to activate, to reactivate the memory that you are working on that day, okay? And then you guide the patient through several sets of bilateral simulation. You know, those can, can happen um, in office, of course, but also online. I work online a lot. So you ask them to move their eyes back and forth through the screen, following your fingers, as you do in office, for example, or you can use a light bar, you know, which is this thing that I have back here. That's a light bar. So the light moves back and forth. You can choose the color in, or you can ask the patient to tap themselves like this or use this, for example. These are tappers that stimulates, you know, the provide bilateral stimulation, which is eye movement or tactile bilateral simulation, okay? And you see the change happening. 
about the memory you're working on. So those few questions that you asked before starting the processing phase um, are like baseline evaluation of how much the memory still disturbs, um, what are the emotions associated with it, with it or triggered by it, the physical sensation. The body is a really important component of EMDR processing. And of course, the self-cognition. So what do you think of yourself when you remember that experience? And usually people start with, uh, I'm unworthy, I'm impotent, I'm unsafe, I'm unlovable. So really heavy thing to think about um, yourself. And through this, this sets of bilateral simulation, you see spontaneously these elements changing, moving. So the bodily sensation change, um, the cognition changes, uh, the emotional component changes, and of course the SUD, which is you know the level of disturbance that you measure at the, at the beginning on a scale zero to ten. How much is this memory disturbing for you now? And you start always with always with a ten, a nine, an eight, you know whatever every. Everything that is different than zero, which is you know neutral, it doesn't affect me anymore. And you see that number changing till you know you get to zero. The patient gets to say, now it's a zero. I remember it. I remember it was tough, but it doesn't affect me anymore. And what do you think about yourself now that it doesn't disturb you? Well, that I am worthy, that I deserve love. And that happens, you know, Spontaneously, you don't have to prompt or push the person to do that. It, the brain does it on its own because it was—it is an innate process. You're just stimulating it in a state of awake instead of, you know, during nighttime. And Piera, just to kind of like draw some sort of delineation between what we would experience, or what most people would think of as like traditional therapy. You know, you sit on a chaise long. You talk through your problems with a therapist and eventually, I mean, the goal for all therapy is to kind of get to that point where you're saying to get to zero, right? Where you can say, right, well, we've, we've talked it through. We've given you coping mechanisms, whatever it may be. And now this memory, I remember it, like you said, it's very tough, but it no longer affects my day to day life. I can now move on with the therapy. That would be like the, how most people would kind of imagine or what we've seen on the television screens or whatever as normal therapy. Yeah. So what I want to, what I want to understand is how, for example, you, you mentioned some physical cues that you do in the therapy, like following the light bar or tapping yourself. Now, obviously, these are things, these are techniques that obviously wouldn't be involved in that traditional image of therapy that I just gave before. How do those physical um, physical techniques change or help the patient that's where i kind of i get a bit lost so how does for example if you're if i'm following your yeah. finger across the screen or i'm following the light bar how does that help me in my healing process we, we can get into the science of it if you want uh, a little bit maybe not with technicalities because it will it will be boring for your listeners but you know the greatest difference between a traditional approach you know the uh, couch uh, laying um, setting that you mentioned before and EMDR is you cannot do what you do with EMDR with a traditional approach. You cannot get the same results. You cannot achieve those results because with the talk therapy, you're just working with your cortex, basically. 
you know, you're trying to see a different perspective, to think about, think different about what you, what happened to you, to give an explanation to what happened to you, but you're not helping the brain to really move. You, remember when I said that the memory, the traumatic experiences get stuck in the limbic system, in a set of areas of the brain, you cannot unstuck those memories by just talking about them, okay? You will mostly get mm, the person re-traumatized sometimes, you know, if the trauma is pretty heavy, and to re-experience it, or do not so much about it. But when you use bilateral stimulation, you actually move uh, those memories from the limbic system in the brain and the long-term area of the brain where cognition lives, you know, when you can reflect about the same experience differently without the emotional and physical activation that you previously initially experienced during the trauma. So that's completely different. And this has, has been observed in vivo. You know, uh, they, um, they did sessions of the MDR while recording uh, what was happening in the patient's brain. So they saw what happened. They know how it works. And it works this way. You know, the activation at the beginning of the session when the sub is 10, 9, disturbs a lot, you know, okay, is the limbic system is all lighting up. So illuminated, and then this activation starts to move through the the brain and ends up, you know, in temporal associative areas of the brain. That's where long term memory is, you know, and cognition. So that's what the science behind it. Pretty solid. And yeah, and sorry, I'm just really curious how. I forget the name. I'm so terrible with names. Like you literally said it about ten minutes ago. But how did the 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 um, the, the researcher who just unfortunately died in 2019? How did they find? Like, how did they come across this? Because it seems kind of. I mean, it makes a lot of sense now that you're saying it. But I'm, I'm, I imagine when they first came across the idea, it was hugely they innovative. How, how was it a mistake, or yes. how did they do that? Uh, well, it all started with a walk in the park by Francine Shapiro, the developer of EMDR. She was just, this is something about the neutron sepal, you know, it's mm, pretty fun. Uh, she was taking this walk in the park. She was a, a cancer survivor, so she was thinking about heavy episodes, heavy circumstances of her life. And she was following the light, uh, the light sun uh, through, you know, the branches of the trees, the, the, the leaves. And she was moving her eyes back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And she finally noticed that her thoughts about those experiences and her emotions about them were different. So she got curious and she started testing it, quote, with her friends. So asking their friends to do the same. Well, think about something pretty intense in your history, in your life, and do this, you know, move your eyes. And by this um, informal testing, she discovered, you know, the great power of eye movements. And she, uh, she had the, the will to put this uh, in a real research setting. So the, the Walk in the Park anecdote is, um, is placed in 1987. The first study on the MDR is of 1989. So right away, EMDR 
that was called EMD at the time started with with research and you know how they got today to understand and to really know how it works it took you know decades of research about you know still ongoing uh, still researching on how to treat uh, one condition or uh, another you know Pierre uh, sorry, Jim, just one last question for me. Uh, so once, you know, one of the, the problems that we have with therapy is that obviously we're always talking about previous experience, right? Whichever therapy it is that you, people choose to choose to um, choose to elicit. So we're always talking about previous experiences and how they obviously then, um, you know, affect our day to day lives. But obviously, and I know the argument would be that they you're given mechanisms to then help you through your day to day life and, and, and maybe deal with potential problems in the future better than you had done before starting on, on the course so i wonder if, if a patient comes to you and they're trying to you know they've got a, a traumatic episode that happened during their childhood and it's been affecting them for the last 20 or 30 years even if they may not realize it exactly the link but they know something's wrong they come to you, you you help draw that link between a childhood event for example and to why all their relationship romantic relationships break down for example when yes so they've learned these physical techniques well could, could they then use those physical techniques if they had a traumatic experience let's say five years after finishing with you could they use those same techniques themselves like having have an agency over it and be like oh uh, uh, my dog just died that i can see it. this is going to like be quite traumatic for me and then try to use those techniques again or would they have to kind of sit down with a professional and do it all over again or once they know the techniques is it something that you can actually muster up yourself and use to help protect you against future traumatic events that come in your life that we're all going to experience well uh, if it was a well done job you have worked with you know a three-pronged approach so past present present triggers and future templates so uh when are you going to face the same experience or similar ones in the future uh how will you act how will you feel so you, you use the same similar pro protocol you use with the past even with the future so when when you ended up uh your therapy and you are graduated finally um you are well equipped to face whatever is coming, whatever future is reserving to you. Uh, but of course, you teach the patient to use bilateral simulation, maybe not the, the very same way uh, as we do in, in session, working on a trauma on their own. So if you get too activated, if you have a stressful period in, in, your, in your life because of work, because of, you know, something happened, you can use, you know, bilateral, mostly tapping because it's it's easier it's more comfortable you can do this you know sitting on your desk at work or you can buy a, a set of choppers and uh, put them inside your pockets you know and whenever you need them you activate them you activate bilateral tapping and you help your nervous system to calm down because other, another thing we know is that bilateral simulation especially a slower um, bilateral simulation helps your nervous system to calm down it's like a safe signal so whenever you get overstressed or overwhelmed by something that's not supposed to be in your every time a trauma or a traumatic experience you can deal with that you know help your brain to manage the situation or to manage 
uh, your emotional activation better. Okay, so you use the tapping on your own. Did I answer yeah, your question? I saw um... <laughs> Okay. I, I saw videos online, I think on YouTube, of um, kind of EMDR um, tutorials maybe. And kind of to follow up from Seb's question, would yeah. say somebody hasn't had EMDR therapy with a therapist, but they're interested. Would, and you said that the bilateral movement helps to calm down the nervous system. Would you recommend that somebody tries just moving their eyes le left and right and left and on right their and watching own. a video yeah no no i wouldn't no. recommend okay. that because uh this is another important thing i wanted to talk to you about especially because you mentioned uh, in your email when you contacted me compassion uh you know emdr is not just a technique to work on memories it's psychotherapy so you just don't heal the traumatic episode specific of a person's life, um, there are emotional, relational wounds, attachment trauma to heal. And that heals not just by using bilateral simulation, but you, the therapist, being a tool for it, being a relational tool. So you use your compassion, your ability to connect. You become, and that's really, really important, a compassionate witness of their traumatic experiences. They haven't talked about them, or if they did, they weren't listened to, they weren't believed, okay, most of the time. So you gotta heal that too, not just what happened, but how it happened, uh, who was the aggressor, uh, who believed you, who mistreated you, who abused you. Most of the time is, you know, a family member, a parent, is your mom, is your dad. That's, you know, as human beings, uh, attachment is the fundamental of our personality. So that's not something that you just heal by moving your eyes back and forth, thinking, thinking about a memory. That can also be uh, re-traumatizing, you know, if you don't have the, the, the right competence and right skills to do that. And of course, there are uh, more complex situations uh, you know, I've listened to um, one of your episodes, the one of um, Lee Theresa Moore, that talked about dissociation. Great one, really, really intense. You know, when you face a situation like that, you cannot just dive into, okay, let's go into trauma processing and think about the trauma. Most of the time, the person doesn't have a recollection of the trauma. So uh, that's a, a, a first difficult difficulty and mm, the person usually doesn't have emotional regulation ability to face even the processing phase of, of therapy. So you gotta uh, do an advanced, you gotta use an advanced modality to use bilateral simulation with those type, uh, types of patient. When the structural dissociation, you cannot just uh, ask the person to tell their story, to tell their worst, memories and work on them that's too much you gotta you know uh, bring the personality the structure of the personality uh, as a, a teamwork because there there are usually cases in which the personality is fragmented in parts you know when teresa was saying 
in, in one one of the pages, she was saying, and I regressed to a child, to a little child. That's a part of the personality. Okay, so you got to work with that part before getting into what happened to that little girl 30 years ago. So you cannot do this on your own. And I wouldn't recommend it that. It's really dangerous. But I know, I'm aware that there are uh, websites or um, YouTube videos that, you know, um, provide bilateral simulation and explain how to do EMDR on your own. That's not the correct choice for someone who has had a childhood trauma history. You know, that's not recommendable at all. Piera, I, I, I know this is almost the impossible question. I know I'm basically asking you how long is a piece of string, but you know, I think a lot of people who, well, I think personally therapy, if we could make an ideal world, I think the government should like have a universal credit and they pay everyone a course so that everyone can do therapy no matter what they've gone through in life or haven't gone through. That's just me. But in given that that's not the world that we live in, right? A lot of people, they recognize the fact that they need therapy of some sort, right? They recognize, look, I know that like what I'm dealing with isn't healthy, but the problem that they have is, is that obviously therapy costs money. Um, and they, they probably think it's not like therapy isn't a thing of like, oh, I'll do two sessions and then I'll sort myself out and then I'm good to go for the rest of my life. So my question is, and I know this is an impossible question, but if you can just give like a rough idea to someone who's maybe listening and maybe interested, but they're worried about, I can't get started because I just won't have the money to, to do this. How long roughly... I know like for every patient it will be different, but on a very rough scale, how long can someone expect to go through like a course with you and as you say, graduate, so to speak? Like what are we talking yeah. six months? Are we talking three years? Like what's the rough kind of um uh uh plan that we're looking at? Uh it depends. In the it depends on the type of traumatization they have experienced. So um mm, I can roughly put it like this, you know, if someone has had a loving and caring family, no childhood trauma, and they get into a car crash or an earthquake or, you know, a catastrophe, something big, but punctual, they just, you know, uh, the first introductory session to talk about what happened to them. The next is going to be maybe a, um emotional a regulation strategy to teach them and to uh, explain how the process work and maybe one or two at the most you know emdr processing session that's all with this simple ptsd mm, classic ptsd case okay mm, it's different when there's a story you know when they the patients were traumatized in their attachment uh, relationship so in their childhood um we don't know at the beginning how fast the person is going to process every single uh, traumatic experience that you pick up and map uh, that needs to be worked on to be processed okay we know that they will but you know sometimes a person works on two even three memories in a session in an hour and another takes you know to get through and to overcome the same the unique experience two to three sessions okay so that changed of course the the timeline um and 
another um, option, another possibility is the, the one that I cited that I mentioned before, when there's structural dissociation, that's going to be a longer process, even with the MDR, because there are barriers to the trauma, okay? So you need to work before on the barriers, before on building teamwork with the parts, and before to get the patient to remember what happened to them in, in many cases. And then you can, you know, tip of a finger, so layer by layer going down and work on, on the story, on the actual facts, okay? So that might take uh, two years, three years, mm, not more, mm, basically. So it's not, a, I've been in therapy for 18 years. That's, you know, that doesn't exist with the MDR. That's, you know, it means something is not really working if you are in therapy uh, if you have been in therapy for the last 18 years or 20, you know, I have heard stories like that. Perfect. That's really, really helpful. And, and you mentioned at the start that you, for example, you, you, you yourself have um, patients where you do it online. Um, so, so I wonder, do you see, cause again, I think another thing that people think of is like, Oh, I need to be in person. And it's like, depending on where you live, that may be easier or not. You know, if you live in a massive city, then maybe you have those. But if you live somewhere in the back, in, in the countryside or whatever, and there's no local EMDR therapist, you might feel like, oh, well, that's it. I can't, I only have to do it in person. So how, for you, does it work the exact same in terms of the success rates, the way that the patient feels? Do you, do you notice any difference um, between someone who can come and sit with you in person and someone who is following your finger and talking through their problems like we are now over over the internet? Uh, I do not know. I, I do not notice any differences. Uh, of course, you have to put yourself out there, you know, and make the effort to make the person feel that you are there. You're not just in front of a screen, you know, having a chat. You are really connected with them. With What was I th- saying about compassion, you know, before? Uh, that's still at place, even in an online, on, in a Zoom call or on a Skype call or whatever, you know. And even if the person is, I'm seeing patients from uh, many countries, many continents, even, you know, uh, someone is in Thailand, uh, someone in Canada, someone in UK or someone in Spain, you know, uh, a great distance between you and the patient. So you get to fill that distance with your personal involvement you know in in what you're doing but the effectiveness uh, is the same you know it's neuroscience you are working with the other person's brain so it doesn't it doesn't matter if you're doing that in an office and asking the person to move their eyes or to tap their shoulders uh, while they are sitting in front of you in the same room or if you're asking to do the same thing uh, uh, you know, one thousand kilometer distance. It is. It works the same. Thanks for that, Pierre. Uh, I want to move just a little bit in a few minutes to talk about um, with what kind of conditions or what challenges or difficulties that someone have can EMDR help with. But just one more question that I wanted to ask was that you mentioned how sometimes with talk therapy someone can almost get re-traumatized because they have to bring up what happened to them again and again maybe and it's just it's just a horrible ordeal and with EMDR how how do you kind of help that person 
feel okay with bringing up that really difficult um, or a series of difficult experiences? Well, that's where compassion you know, takes uh, has its importance. Uh, you are there with them. You say to them that that's the past, that's already ended, that that was not fair, that they didn't deserve what happened. You know, there are little interventions uh, that you do, especially when the trauma is pretty heavy and the person is um, um, activated, really activated by uh, thinking about it and remembering it. You gotta be there, you know, you gotta... Um, make them feel safe with you talking about the horrible things that happened to them. Have you come across, I mean, I think I have people who have had some traumatic experiences or difficult experiences in the past and just don't want to revisit it. Is, is a, an essential part of EMDR that you have to be willing to look into the past? Yes, of course, because all symptoms, all psychopathology, all issue is connected to what happened to you in the first place, where you learned, you know, from those traumatic experiences, you have learned who you are, what you can expect in relationships, for example, um, the fact that you deserve or don't deserve love and respect. So that's pretty important in life you know, walking in, uh, in, in life. So uh, it's important that they go, um, that they access the trauma. But of course, if there's um, a defense, uh, of course, that's for protection. I don't want to think about it. Uh, I don't care even sometimes, you know, that's in the past. I don't care. But they are affected by the, the trauma as, um, at the same time. You work with the defense, with the same bilateral stimulation uh, that you use for process a trauma. So for example, how much uh, you feel you don't want to think about that? 10, top, I don't, I don't want, I don't want to. Okay, and mm, where do you feel the, mm, the desire, the wish not to talk about it ever? Or in my stomach, it's something in my stomach. Okay, and you process the defense with the same stimulation. And that number, that uh, defense is gonna lower, it's gonna um, fade, okay? The person gains courage and gains the motivation to go through the trauma. Okay, I feel not like I can do that now. I have strength now for do that, to do that. Those, of course, are, you know, it's not the, just the basics of the MDR. This is why we are always constantly um, uh, training ourselves because there are no such thing as simple cases. What do you do if you work with memories, you know, because you are an EMDR therapist and the person say, says that um, they, do, they don't remember anything about their childhood or they don't want to, okay, what do you do? That's why you, you, you get an advanced training to overcome those difficulties in your clinical work. That's why it's so important not yeah. to do that on your own. I mean, that's, that defense yeah, yeah, yeah. that I don't want to think about it or I don't recall 
it's there for a reason to protect you from something that you cannot manage on your own. So you shouldn't be doing that on your own alone. That's fantastic. It, it's I'm so glad we were talking about this um, because it makes sense, right? Why are you potentially bringing down your defense barriers when you're on your own and you have no supportive environment? It's, it, it's very dangerous, right? Yes, of um, course. You don't know how trauma works, how trauma affects the brain. The therapist, the trauma-informed therapist can give you that information, can, you know, explain why you feel guilty about something that you shouldn't be feel getting, feeling guilty about. Because that's a traumatic effect. That's the response of the brain to the trauma, okay? If you don't know that, you just, you know, get flooded by the guilt. What are you going to do then? You're right. Yeah. Um, Pierre, only a few more questions. One is, and I think you've already answered it, but on your website, there's a long list of, of conditions that you uh, state that EMDR can assist with. So obviously we talked a lot, of, a lot about trauma and, and maybe personal difficulties and kind of thought, reoccurring thoughts of I'm not good enough and... Um, but you also you also talk about depression and you also talk about anxiety and there's a there's a long list of other conditions um is there a way for you to kind of concisely talk about or is it just the fact that you said before that all of the things that we are struggling with now are as a result of what's happened to us and our experiences in the past and we must kind of reprocess is that is that more or less it yeah the definition of trauma has changed over time with research, of course, in neuroscience. So we now know that trauma is not just the big event, the catastrophe, the earthquake, the violent attack, okay, the car crash. It's not just that. Trauma is many, many things. So it can go from, you know, having a detached or cold parent not so um, not so connected with your emotional needs, which is a trauma too. You know, maybe not the, the most severe one, but it's a trauma. It affects the way you see yourself. It shapes your personality, okay? And that can result in a really common issue such as low self-esteem, okay? But that's a trauma issue too. So you you work through the trauma, through through the childhood adversity that um, in this case would be um, growing up with a detached and not so connected, not so tuned parent. Okay, and it can it can go to you know can reach levels of of course a more complex story where you are physically uh, neglected or you are sexually abused, physically abused, um, you know, it's a continuum, trauma is a continuum. So it starts with minor experiences, childhood adversities, and it gets to the top where, you know, uh, experiences that everyone would easily recognize and, you know, um, call a trauma. So you treat everything that is in the mental health field a concern, an issue, low self-esteem, anxiety, depression, uh, looking for the connection between the symptom, the a present issue, and the story of the person. And you work through those experiences with the MDR. And you see the present 
uh, changing, working uh, at the beginning with the past, then the present triggers and the future, as I said before. It's pretty, it's pretty surprising and impressive, even for us, you know, for, for the therapists. We are all uh, amazed yeah. by what we do. Uh, you cannot believe that you can achieve <laughs> such results uh, just doing, uh, you know, this type of, just using this approach. But it, it is true. Luckily, because, you know, there are people out there suffering. There is a, a low, an immense load of trauma. Uh, think about now, you know, the war and uh, mm -hmm. the economic mm -hmm. crisis we are facing, COVID pandemic, of course, but trauma is, you know, everywhere, all over the place, in every family, uh, there is something that goes not optimally or not good, you know. Yeah, it is fantastic. I really appreciate this. I think we're really achieving a kind of destigmatization or if there is a stigmatization of something that they haven't heard of before, I think you've done such a good job of letting people feel safe and, and curious about EMDR. One thing I, I kind of want to ask is, you know, from your point of view, you're saying it's so effective. I'm so lucky that I get to, to help people with this process. I'm amazed at how effective it is. Yes. Why do you think it isn't so widespread? so prevalent in the world i mean obviously it is touching millions of lives but why do you think everybody doesn't know about emdr uh well it is getting uh more common and common more uh known and known every day you know as we speak because uh one of the great things of this hyper connected world you know um many influencers for example talk about their experience with the MDR. I'm sorry, I'm, I gotta connect my charger. Yes. Uh, so uh, people get to get to know EMDR even by these people, these stars talking about their experience with it, with EMDR. But of course, there are also um, critical opinion about it because uh, it is a danger for other approaches, other less effective, less science-based approach. So it's kind of threatening, so to speak. This is probably one of the components, one of the reasons why um, uh, everybody doesn't know about EMDR. But it's getting better because, you know, um, uh, our president, of the MDR Association, which is, you know, at the same time, the president of the Italian Association and the European Association goes on TV, you know, gets awards, and she talks and talks and talks about EMDR, um, for example, in Italy yeah. and uh, in, in Europe too, in other countries too. And there are uh, more and more uh, official uh, entities, official associations that train uh, the therapists through the method all over the world. So it's not just EMDR Europe, EMDR Italy, there's a Spain, which I'm also part about, uh, part of because I, I lived there, so I get uh, certified there too. Uh, there's an EMDRIA in United States, there's an MDR, MDR Asia, there's an MDR China, so it's spreading. Thanks for that, Pierre. Uh, Seb, do you have any questions before we come to you? 
No, I don't have any um, any other questions. I should like to take the moment just to say, like I think it's like Jim said, it's been great because I think it really will. You've answered some really simple questions, some of the, like the simple doubts that people may have that may just like be a blocking to even reaching out to their local EMDR therapist. And I think like oh, I hope anyway that this conversation creates that level of interest and and like makes people think maybe this is the the route for me that I hadn't heard of or thought of before or I, or I dismissed because it wasn't so widely um, accepted in the general public, at least, even if it is in the scientific spheres. So for, for me, no more questions, but thank you so much, Pierre. It's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thanks uh, to you, guys. I also... Yeah, thank you. I, I will... Um, we'll leave your website link in the show description. So if... Am I right in saying if... If someone is interested, they can also contact you for online sessions. Of course, yes. Yeah. I, as I said, I see patients all over the world, so I, I'm glad to help Perfect. if I can. Perfect. And in English, Spanish, and Italiano. Exactly. And thrilling. Perfect. As a thrilling world therapist. Yes. Perfect. Uh, all right. The, the last question we have here is just. How do you take care of your own mental health? Uh, well, this is another um, fantastic thing about EMDR. Um, by working with this therapy, you really see, you really witness the change. Every session that you, that you work with a patient on a traumatic issue or on a really, uh, really intense, really heavy memory, for example, so you touch with hands that you're helping them, that you're unburdening them about their story. So that uh, doesn't really charge you, you know, that doesn't really affect you the way it probably would if you were just talking about their stories and do nothing or uh, not so much for them. And uh, if you weren't seeing their lives changing session after session. So it's easier, of course, to take care of our, our own mental health. Sometimes, of course, we do. We do supervision if a case is pretty heavy or pretty difficult or it touches a little bit of our own stories. Uh, but, you know, I just uh, walk my, with my dogs. I care for um, my diet. I, uh, I rest, of course. Um, I go out in the nature. That's what I usually do. Sometimes, you know, when I get uh, overwhelmed or overstressed, I tap. I do this. And it's okay. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, well, we haven't heard that one yet, Pierre. We've had 95 guests and we haven't heard the tap yet. So, lovely. Um, yeah, I just want to thank you again it. for your time. I will. I will. <laughs> thank you. Okay. I, I just want to thank, thank you for your time. And I really, yeah, like Seb said, I really hope that this helps people kind of uh, feel like they are more familiar with the therapy and more confident with potentially trying it out. Um, and yeah, thank you for your work. It's great that you get to help so many people who are going through so many difficult challenges. I hope that too. Thank you to you know to give me the time and space to talk about what i do and to talk about what emdr can do you know i hope this really helps uh, curiosity over it and you know uh, uh, pushes someone to 
seek for help if they're struggling with something that happened to to them. Thank you. Yes, thank you.